Thank you very much for having us here today. I felt Absolutely. guilty about disrupting your precious day of solitude. Or uh, Well, we have a few more, so... Do you? Yes. But you're in from New York and en route in terms of engagements, en route for Berlin. Berlin, Berlin Menon Lesko, uh -huh. and Tosca. Uh -huh. Yes. <sighs> Exhausted, really. Uh -huh. Just sang five Annabellinas mm -hmm. at the Metropolitan Opera. Yes. And sang a gala Friday night, mm -hmm. a Thursday night at the Armory, their annual benefit gala. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fun. And the immediate context for this is because you're coming back here in early December. Yes. December 4th, I'm giving a recital. At Kerner. With my Yes, at Kerner Hall with my pianist, Anthony Manoli. Uh -huh. yeah. Now that's a relationship that goes back... Uh, a long 20 time. years mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. I, he's I call him my first husband <laughs> uh -huh. interesting in this context because you're just taking on this marathon at the marathon at the Met of the the three yeah. the three queens the three Donut City queens yeah. and it was uh, Tony Manoli who put you on the path of going beyond Verdi to I know he Donizetti, was the one who heard wasn't it. he he heard it in my voice. Mm -hmm. I had no idea this was a whole new world that opened up to me. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't all that familiar with uh, the bel canto repertoire. Mm -hmm. And we started with Lucrezia Borgia, actually. Oh, that really? was my first foray into the bel canto. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Met approached me with the three queens. And I said, I I'm not so familiar with those. Let me go home and look at them first. <laughs> And I knew Anna Bolena. Right. Uh, but um, Maria Duarte, for sure, no. Deborah, really, no, because it's just mm -hmm. never performed these days. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad. Mm -hmm. So we took some time and kind of sang through them and looked through them. And I said, yes, absolutely. Want to embrace it and take the challenge. So what was he hearing that you weren't yet? You know, um, my voice is a very unique voice. Mm -hmm. And not, you know, saying that egotistically, but it, no, it's different. It, it is. It's got a, a unique thumbprint to it. Yes. Completely. And um, it's hard to really, I say voices fit into boxes. Mm -hmm. And mine really doesn't fit into a conventional box. Mm -hmm. I would say that it's, it's a large instrument, mm -hmm. but it's not thick. You no, know, it's, it's, not. Not, it's not like a Deborah Voigt uh, mm -hmm. who has a very thick voice, you know, a dramatic voice, mm -hmm. but it's loud. And it confuses people sometimes because they think, wow, it's so loud yeah. that you should sing Turandot and all the dramatic soprano roles. Mm -hmm. But it's not. I have that agility. Yeah. And I think it really fits more into that category of soprano d'agilita, mm -hmm. like Maria Callas in, in many ways. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time to really find that niche for me. Mm -hmm. So I started out with more of the, the big full Verdi, and mm. then we found this flexibility. And that might have come actually after I had my vocal surgery. Right. That was, what, 2006? 2003. 2003. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, I think that that's where it all came from, because then I was starting more with a clean slate. Yeah. And I didn't have this impediment that was constantly blocking my voice. Mm -hmm. And we found this agility in the voice and yeah. thought, Wow. Use it. I think we can do that. Yeah. Sounds today it doesn't sound like I could do that. I'm so so tired. But um, yeah. 
Well, yeah. Beverly Sills said it took five years of her life doing The Three Queens, uh, of her musical life. But I don't sense that. Is, uh... You know, I think we have... She came at it, at, first off, at a different point in her life, I think. Mm -hmm. Secondly, our voices are quite Very different. different. I would call her, she was probably just a color to a soprano. Mm -hmm. And I think I have a little more weight in my voice. Mm -hmm. um, so that the Anabolena, which is probably the heaviest of the three, really doesn't weigh me down. Right. The dramatic demands of that role. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think that probably weighed her down a lot. Yeah. I'm sure the Roberto Devereux for her was, you know, easy. Snap. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which for me is going to be probably the most challenging. Well, we heard you, we heard you here in that... Yeah. It was last season, wasn't it? Or was it the season before? Last they, season. They, it was last, last season. season. Yeah, about a year, a year and a half. Ago. That's yeah. right. Is it the same production or is it a very different production? It's going to be a new production oh, yeah. by David, Sir David McVicker again. Yeah. Uh, that will be the, n the last of the three. They have done the Anna Bolena. That okay. was done for Anna Netrebko four years ago. I've just done the first run of it. Two more performances in January that I do. Then we go on to the Marish Duarte, which was done for Joyce T. Donato. Right. Probably about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And then mine will be the new, the last new one. Mm -hmm. And that will complete the whole cycle. Yeah. I know. And one day at a time. Just think one day at a time. And, and in terms of not thinking one day after time, at, at a time after Donizetti? vacation yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no um i'm just wondering if there's some other revelation down the road in we, terms of your own what you're not telling anyone yet well we do have some new roles coming up do you um honestly i'm very happy singing what i'm singing now mm -hmm. and as long as i can keep singing this i think that the bel canto keeps the voice young fresh flexible all of that um Mozart didn't work for me as medicine for the voice. It just mm -hmm. didn't. So this is my medicine for the voice, the bel canto, the early Verdi. Mm -hmm. Maybe a few later Verdi works will be coming in, mm -hmm. some bigger, more spinto roles. Um, maybe some Russian repertoire will uh -huh. be coming in, and maybe some German repertoire. Uh -huh. Is that a finally, or is it... Uh, I, I, I notice you've got some Strauss uh, art song in this recital that you're doing. Baby steps. Is that a clue, or a baby it, step? It, it probably will be a bit of Strauss, and it might be some corn gold mm -hmm. in, the, in the mix, in the, in the operatic repertoire. And the Russian might be some mm -hmm. Tchaikovsky. So, yeah, baby steps. Yeah. You know, I think... I think I don't want to get too dramatic too soon yeah. if I don't have to. Because I think once you go down that path, mm -hmm. there's no turning back. Right. So I think the voice, more than anything, will tell us when it's ready mm -hmm. to do that. And I think it's starting to say, why not? I did the four last songs last year oh, yeah. here with the Toronto Symphony, mm -hmm. and that was a lot of fun. So. Baby steps. Baby steps. Uh, absolutely. Um, 2010 was really the first time we heard you here in recital. No, not 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 true. You 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 showed up in the in 2007 for Luna. Right, the Luminato, the Luminato festival. The Luminato yeah. festival, and yeah. um, and then I heard you 
very memorably in the lobby at Classical 96 when they launched. Yes. You came and sang in that lobby. And what was astounding was this ability to be singing in your voice, and it doesn't seem to matter what the size of the room is, um, that you can do your pianissimo the same way in in the you know, four seasons as you can in, in a room like that. The power of it sure. is, is astounding and beautiful. Well, thank you. And um, it's, it's very unusual. I, I've sometimes wished uh, during... Uh, uh, I've wished sometimes to be able to be in the seat I was in in the hall during the Devereux, which yeah. happened to be right at the front near okay. the orchestra. And I wished I could have just during the really quiet moments, just parachuted <laughs> to the back of the fifth level because I had the sense that it would be the same, that it would have yeah. that same spinning carry pianissimi. to it. Spinning the pianissimi, yeah, exactly. But that's it, you know, there's, there's a real technique to mm-hmm. singing piano. Yeah. And I think I learned a lot of that from listening to the greats. Mm-hmm. Montserrat Caballé, the queen of spinning pianissimi, because you have to always keep the sound moving forward. Right. Because you can sing piano, but block off the air, and it goes probably about two rows out. Mm-hmm. And the real trick to it is the placement of the voice mm-hmm. and keeping it what we say in the mask here. Yeah. Because if you keep it spinning with air, it will reach the very back of the hall, mm-hmm. but still sound like just a filament. Just like a filament, exactly. That's a lovely description. Yeah. And trying to teach that is very... Because now I do I do, do a lot of master classes. Oh, you are doing a lot. In teach, well, are you connected with Lindemann still? I know you... Uh, Lindemann at no. Met was your, fi- yeah, was your first real... No, you know, actually, I, I, haven't, I haven't had that opportunity. Uh-huh. Maybe because New York, when, when we are singing in New York, is always it's so... Crazy. Completely absorbing. Yeah. But everywhere else in the world, I, uh-huh. it's my real passion. Isn't it's um, passing on that knowledge that I've acquired over 20-some years of mm-hmm. doing this trade um, and passing it on to the new generation because I felt that I was given so much information along the road, being in the Lindemann Young Artist Program and working with the greats, working with Renato Scotto, working with Regine Crespin, having a close relationship with all these people, mm-hmm. picking their brains, mm-hmm. going and, and listening to people now. This is my 20th year that singing at the Metropolitan Opera. Wow. Hearing these people and passing that on. And I think it's my duty and my job mm-hmm. to help young kids because if I don't, yeah. what's going to happen to opera? So everywhere I go in the world, I teach master classes, uh, usually for free. And I think that'll be my passion once I decide to retire from this crazy world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to, to keep passing it along. Mm-hmm. I'm actually giving one on December 1st oh, yeah. at U of T. Oh, what will, yeah. what will that be? Uh, I mean, is it, what's the f- topic or the focus? Uh, just, just be there, listen. And, be there, listening, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think it will be open to the public. So oh, great. more information coming shortly. All right, yeah. so we'll, we'll get that in our November magazine. Perfect. Do, because that's Perfect. important to us as well, is sure. that, that side of it. Um, 
talking a bit about the recital specifically that, that you've got coming up, which I notice is a combination of the arias and, uh, and, and, and of art song. And aria in recital is, is, is an odd one for me as an audience yeah. member. It yeah. feels like figure skating where all they show you is the triple axles, you know, the aria without the recitative and without the build. And the context is a difficult mm -hmm. thing to, it must be a difficult thing to pull yourself so fully into the moment or does it make it easier having all the context already? You know, I, th I think nowadays, I think the whole context of recital has changed. Yeah. I think the audience wants to see kind of a snapshot of who you are. Okay. And my last Kerner Hall recital was just that, a snapshot. I, I talked to the audience. I think that that's what they want. Mm -hmm. They want to know who I am, mm -hmm. not only as a singer, but as a person. Okay. And I am an opera singer. I mm -hmm. don't call myself a recitalist. So this kind of displays who I am musically. I try yeah. to give a snapshot of where I've come from. So Rusalka is there. Exactly. Yeah. And La Mama Morta mm -hmm. is where I'm going. Okay. And I do have a chenier mm -hmm. scheduled in the future. So to show people kind of this is what I do vocally. Right. But also the language of a recital is definitely art song. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to dismiss that whole thing. But I think nowadays people also want the barn burners. You yeah. know, they want to be thrilled. Absolutely. They want to hear that. And so I want to give them both. Both. A little bit of both. But definitely more art song than yeah. aria. But, you know, to kind of end it with a bit of a wow. Yeah. So how does Vivaldi creep into that mix? in terms of the portrait, because that's a, an aspect of repertoire that you've... It's an aria art song that I really love, okay. and I've always wanted to sing it. Okay. And everything on this recital is music that I love, uh -huh. because Renata Scotto told me, if you don't love it, then don't do it. they'll know it, yeah, and yeah. don't do it. Right. So everything on this, I love. Mm -hmm. And it, ha it relates to me in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And... When they come to the recital, they'll see how it all relates to me. Back to COC for a second. Yes. Um, what is it that you can't tell me till January? What I'm doing next year. Mm -hmm. Next year. Yes. Even that's and the year after news. that. Oh. And the year after that. And the year oh. after that. I will be coming back every year now. Oh, that is really exciting. That's yes. good news. Alexander Neef and I had a. Yeah. had a meeting and we decided that this is my home yeah this is where i live and i love and i want to sing here every year mm -hmm. and that's a conscious decision that we made so it's a good place for me to try out new repertoire as well uh -huh. interesting well that you that was true mm -hmm. of your aida and it was yes. also true of the Devereux. Yes. so yeah. that's that it's a good town for that I think so, and not just a good town, but a, an amazing opera house. Yes. The hall is spectacular. The acoustics are great. Mm -hmm. Everybody, top to bottom, is wonderful. The mm -hmm. orchestra, the productions that they get. I'm really, really happy to be singing here. And Toronto has audiences that 
listen. So there's actually a quality of attention in the room that yes. is actually quite precious. And they appreciate it, and they know mm. the difference between good and bad. And mm. I, I really love that. So that's that's very interesting. I won't try and I won't try and tease that out any further. But it will not be a new role to me. Okay. Put it that way. Okay. So, but it will be a new production to Toronto. Okay. The the, the very next one. I think a lot of people actually know, and I think in the press that it has been said. Has it? Yes, because it is a co-production with a few other opera houses that I've already done the production of. Okay. Interesting to hear. Um, Live at the Met. Interesting topic for me. Um, Yeah. At about the same time as you did your first (laughs) recital here um, with... Dmitry Rostovsky, the, mm-hmm. the Verdi arias, but with an Onegin duet at the end. Yes. Um, at that time, or close to that time, you were also in Stifelio with... with uh, Jose Cura. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he was the tenor. Uh, but but in the pit, Placida uh, was conducting. Yes. Which was and I believe fun. that one was one of the early live... Nope. Life from the Middle. It wasn't, no. eh? Only, only yeah. Trovatore I've done and Ballo. Okay. Ballo and Masca. When, when, was, when were those? Um... The Trovatore was the first, and I think that was 2009, if I'm okay. correct. And then the Ballo was next, and that was just 2011, if I'm correct. Okay. I think. 2013. 2013? Ten, ten and thirty. Okay, somewhere so, around there. I'm, I'm, I'm in, not good with dates. I'm I intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the whole change as a member of the audience because I do go to I do go to see mm. those. It's like sneaking out to the supermarket, even though I go to Ken- I yeah. live in Kensington, but I sneak out to the supermarket yeah. sometimes. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I go to the life, and that I've been intrigued at watching and wondering as a performer as the filmic aspect of it becomes evidently more important Mm -hmm. to them and the degree of we are not just filming something live but we are managing what we film does that impact as a performer on on you as as the artist in terms of a greater consciousness of the micro emotion and Mm -hmm. gesture which Mm -hmm. if you're just playing to to the Met, nobody's going to see past the second row anyway, but a heightened consciousness of of having to be mm-hmm. also a film actor? Sure. You know, it's very interesting. This is the 10th anniversary of mm-hmm. the Met in the cinemas. And when I first did the, the very, the Trovatore, <clears throat> um, I really had a moral and conscious decision that I had to make. Mm-hmm. Do I play this for the 4,200 people that are buying full price tickets mm-hmm. in the Metropolitan Opera or do I alter what I do for the millions of people that will be seeing this and then the DVD which came out uh, for both of them do I alter what I do for that knowing that those 4,200 people who have actually made the journey into the Metropolitan Opera that day have paid full price for it and I decided that I am first and foremost an opera singer Mm-hmm. That's what I trained as. I did also train as a theater major at UCLA, so I do have that background. But I said, 
I have to be true to who I am mm -hmm. as an opera singer, as a performer. So I want all those millions of people out there to actually see what it looks like up close and personal when I'm doing what I do. Right. I do not alter anything that I do. I do exactly what I do because <clears throat> I think it's only fair to the audience to see what it actually looks like with all those funny faces that we make. Yeah. And it, I'm not going to call it stock acting, but opera acting yeah, as opposed sure. to film acting. Extra 15%. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was my decision. Mm -hmm. And I still stick to it now mm -hmm. because that is who I am. That's me, Sandra Radvanovsky, on stage doing exactly what I do mm -hmm. for every other performance. Mm -hmm. So... Now, on the other hand, you have a level of emotional engagement with your characters that means that you're doing things that the opera audience might not have seen that are still yeah. absolutely true to the character. Bingo. Yeah. So I try to, every performance that I do, I do try to live through the character and find even those nuances, even if it doesn't go past yeah. you know, the first ten rows, that people do have opera glasses too. This is true. So, you know, there is that. Yeah. And it's, it just helps me mm -hmm. find the character, musically as well, to act it and portray the character the best that I can. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there are a lot of nuances that just, for every performance that I do, a lot of people in the theater won't see it. But I know that I'm doing it, and it helps me give a complete characterization. Mm -hmm. On a Bolena, you know, there, that I just did, there's a lot of hand-wringing and, you know, small little minuscule movements that I make. Mm -hmm. But it helps me make the whole. It's part of your articulation of Absolutely. the whole. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. First opera I ever saw live was Norma, probably in 1965 or wow. six, in the days where... The Norma probably moved as much as the rocks on the stage for the whole, for the whole show. Right. Right? right. Or other than the... They, yeah, they left, pivoted right. between scenes a little bit left, left right, arm, right arm, down, yeah. left arm, right arm. Breast clutching, yes. But as an athlete, yes. it's a totally different world now, isn't it? Absolutely. So how do you stay in shape? Well, downstairs, mm -hmm. my husband made this lovely gym for me. Last year, um, and and it is very important because you're you are right. We are athletes. What we do is very athletic. Granted, our muscles, you know, are, are right here, and they're two little ones. But the rest of our body, my body, is my instrument. I don't have a violin mm -hmm. or a cello or a piano to play. I have two small little muscles right here that engage to the rest of my body, to my support system, you know, to all of that. So I do. Almost every day, I try to do 30 minutes of cardio just to keep the body, the breathing apparatus engaged mm -hmm. because it is so very important to keep the diaphragm and the stomach muscles and all of that moving and flexible and in shape. And also, if you're carrying around 10 or 20 extra pounds of weight, you automatically feel it on stage because that's more effort that yeah. you have to. There's an ideal weight for me, and I know what that is, and when I'm not at it, it feels more labored. Or if I get too thin, I know that I have to get a little bit more weight on me just to keep that cushion around mm -hmm. my diaphragm that I can breathe into. So it's very important. Also what you eat, what you drink, how much you sleep, talking, 
too much as you can hear. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been talking and singing a lot this right. last week. It takes a toll on you, you know, and you have to really be very regimented mm-hmm. in what we do. And some days, you know, you live like a nun and you mm-hmm. don't go out and see your friends because, well, it's our job. Yeah. Absolutely. But I signed up for it, you know, yeah. and all of this doing interviews nowadays is is all part of it. It's part of it. Hosting. I'm going to be hosting the Live from the Met, the oh, yeah. Men on Lascaux, which I, I love to do. It's right. it's really a lot of fun yeah. for me and um, get to put another hat on, you know, and yep. but it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of energy for a whole day. Yeah. So that's why we come home here and, this. and refresh and reboot the, the whole computer system and uh-huh. stay in our pajamas and which is good so from so from flute major to yeah. drama major sorry it's okay it's so, my friend yeah so from from flute major to drama major to yeah. off to say no no university is not for me but none of it's wasted, right? It's all part of the cumulative build. I mean, I Absolutely. imagine flute teaches you about breath. Mm-hmm. Teaches you about breath, about musicality. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think musicians, you, we really study differently than singers in that, you know, singer's line is a lot different, but very, actually very similar to the flute line. We're in the same register. Mm-hmm. Um, drama, for sure. Yeah. Learning, I not only learned about the trade of acting, but about lights, about makeup, about costumes, about period costumes, mm-hmm. all of that, about how to find your light mm-hmm. when you're on stage. A lot of right. people just are not taught that nowadays. Mm-hmm. When, when you go to college, you learn about singing, 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 singing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's the path that I, that I made. Mm-hmm. Yes, college was not for me. I, mm-hmm. I didn't find anything that I felt like I wasn't moving forward. Right. So I went and found what I needed, young artist program. Uh, I was a mortgage broker for a while, but taught me about the business side of all of this. Mm-hmm. Young kids nowadays, I don't feel like they're really being taught about how to watch their money, how to invest their money. Mm-hmm. You know, this business is very fleeting. Yeah. And if you don't really invest your money well, and we get paid, only when we sing. And a lot yeah. of people don't realize that. If I don't sing, if I'm sick, yeah. I don't get paid. Yeah. Oftentimes I can go a month or two months without getting money because we're in a rehearsal period. Right. So you have to learn how to really squirrel away money and have that rainy day fund. Mm-hmm. What if we need a new roof on the house or a pipe breaks or blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky and, and I would not have changed a thing. I really would not have, because it's brought me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Also, the vocal surgery. You know, it taught me how to sing with an impediment, and it made my technique really, really good. And then to learn with, to sing without it, mm-hmm. I had to learn how to sing all over again. But now I feel like it's made me a very good teacher, mm-hmm. and I can pass that on to kids. And just last night, I got a text from one of my, my girls, I call them one of my kids, She's singing the magic flute in San Francisco, and she's sick, and she's never had this before. So she's texting me, texting me furiously. What do I do? What do I do? How do I sing? How do I get through it? And you know, to pass on that information. 
And I said, well, how do I get through it without hurting myself? Is right, exactly. It, right? Exactly. And you know, you don't know until you've done it. Yeah. And that's something that I'm I'm actually happy when a singer of mine gets sick because I say, okay, figure it out. Mm-hmm. You have to because I can't be there with you all the time. Yeah. Go and figure it out. So you know, I'm I'm very lucky. It's just happened this way, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't have changed a moment. Well, we're lucky too, and I'm very glad about the news that you're going to be here regularly all the time, and looking forward to see how that fits into the the path in the longer term, and looking forward very much to December's recital as well. December 4th? December 4th. Corner Hall. Corner Hall. Can't talk today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. It's lovely to do this. Thank you.